Howdy, yolks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Isaac Carlson. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're visiting Pandora. Or maybe we're just forcibly taking over an inhabited planet. So, mine your own Optadium. And tame your dragon. I mean, Banshee. Because today we're bringing you Avatar! We're finally talking about it. The biggest movie ever made until last month. Man, it's kind of crazy. Two months ago? I guess it's September at this point. Two months ago. Mm -hmm. Man, Avatar. Speaking of... Okay, let me run the stats down real quick because they are important and then we'll get to the movie. So, Avatar released December 18th, 2009, 3,545 days ago. Uh, it was released on a $237 million budget and made $2.79 billion worldwide. The biggest of all time, bigger than Titanic, uh, until 10 years later, it was beaten by Avengers Endgame. Uh, scored a an 82% critic score and an 82% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and 80 on Metacritic. Isaac. Yes. You love this movie. I think it's a super fun movie. And it was one that I remember seeing in theaters, thinking it was a super cool adventure, and it kind of fleeted to the back of my mind. But since the land opened in Animal Kingdom and Walt Disney World, I definitely gained a new excitement for the series going forward, especially since there's so many films that are going to be coming out in the future. So being able to watch this going back and experiencing the journey again, I think it's I think it's a fun ride. And also, just for a little trivia. So when you said that this movie cost $270 million to create, yeah. Tangled, the original Tangled movie, cost $260 million to create. This actually only cost $237 million. Oh my, oh, okay, okay, so then, yeah, yeah I misheard Less you. than Tangled. Yeah, it costs less than Tangled, but they developed all this new technology while doing it and everything. That's kind of wild. Okay, so let's let's talk about the new technology for a second <laughs> okay so so avatar i have literally so recently when i went and watched lion king and we and i talked about this a little bit on the episode that you did with us on lion mm -hmm. king uh i went back and watched about 10 minutes of this movie like sort of right in the middle um some, some one of the scenes with the when they're all the blue people the navi yep um and those shots hold up a lot more than some other shots but like when this movie came out in 2009 this was a a cgi movie like had never been seen before ever mm -hmm. it was such an enormous step forward that it just didn't even seem possible and now 10 years later it looks like a halo video game remaster mm -hmm. like those establishing shots when they're in the in the ship and especially the outside exterior shots of the ship that they're flying to pandora on mm -hmm. just look horrible i yeah i made sure that i clicked on and like took in a few of the cgi moments before coming on to the podcast to make yeah. sure that I was fresh with it. And I definitely felt like there was moments that you had to suspend your disbelief on that it being a realistic world. But oh, some definitely. moments really, I felt like still were able to come through and still be as empowered, like as empowering and powerful when paired with the music and the suspension of disbelief. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. They, they still did. It was a huge leap as far as making characters feel not I don't even want to say lifelike because like what we got with the Lion King was obviously lifelike, but yeah. they, they were able to bring, they were to keep the, the characters lively and, and alive in such a way that like it still rings through it. It's, they're still endearing characters to look at. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's crazy how far we've come with the photorealism that a thing that used to look photorealistic now just 
doesn't. Yeah. And that's kind and, of and, the, the danger of creating something that tries to look photorealistic is that... Sorry, you broke up there for a second? Oh, all right. Um, That's like the danger of like creating something that's supposed to look photorealistic is that as technology goes forward, it continuously won't. The only things that really can hold up over time are the things that are stylized enough that it doesn't matter over time. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Um. I mean, but this this movie is just, it's crazy. It's such a grand scale of movie. Yeah. And, and that's why it was so well-loved. And why we, I mean, I contributed to this, this doing well at the box office. I think I saw this movie in theaters like five times, mm-hmm. which I don't know how I sat through a, an almost three-hour-long movie five times. I still don't know how I did that, but... Well, I mean, that's, that's crazy. The thing I remember it, the most is sitting down in the theater and not having blue and red glasses to watch 3D. Oh, I know. Yeah, this is definitely the first movie I ever saw in real D. Yeah. And this was like, wow, this is like, it's so dynamic. There's so much going on. It looks so real. It, it was quite a cinematic event to experience in oh, theaters for sure. when it released. Because like, it wasn't it wasn't Spy Kids 3D. It wasn't like stuff flying out of the screen at you. No, yeah. It just, it added this incredible level of, of depth that you didn't even realize you were missing until you saw Somebody put it in front of you and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. this is, this looks like, this looks like real, how things really look. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was the thing is like, it's something you didn't even notice. But so, you know, this better than most people, uh, this, this mm-hmm. movie's kind of, um, fallen by the wayside a little bit in recent years, especially. Yeah. Would you, you would not disagree with that, I don't think. No, because it's it's been so long since there's been any promotion for it or anything other than the discussion about when the next films are going to come out and the release of the land in Disney World. Other than that, I, there's not much built around it. I do still really want to go to the land in Disney World. I have not been, and that just kills me. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note, if you've never been, what it is, is it's called Pandora, the World of Avatar. You're able to go into this section of Animal Kingdom and experience the the floating rocks. You get to fly on a banshee. You get to uh, go through, um, oh goodness, it's the, I think it's the rivers of light, but it's the, you're able to go through the rivers of uh, Pandora and see their most lifelike animatronic of all time, which is incredible. Uh, There's so many cool moments and things to experience in that land, regardless of if you super care about the movie or not. I think it's still a really cool experience. And seeing that when I went to Disney World to experience that, they had a dedicated channel just playing Avatar 24-7. So whenever we came back, we'd pick up different moments from the movie to watch but yeah it's it's quite the experience so was this this wasn't originally a disney property was it am i crazy no so okay this was a 20th century fox property originally and the history of how they like worked together was disney was jealous of universal creating a harry potter land and they wanted to use their own mega franchise to build a land off of so they went to 20th century fox to make a deal to make avatar land and but and now they own 20th century fox yeah Well, because when they made the land, they thought that James Cameron would already be releasing the sequels, but those didn't come to fruition. But then they also bought 20th Century Fox. So the land will hopefully be an asset to capitalize on over time. But yeah, that's kind of the the rough history. Yeah, so it wasn't originally Disney, but now it totally is. Because their whole schedule is kind of based around the Christmas season being Star Wars and Avatar. Right. 
for sure. Which is just like if mm-hmm. if you had told me that you know ten years ago when Avatar came out, it's like you know you'd be they'd be making ga- like Galaxy's Edge just opened, right? Yeah. That's a thing just that happened. opened in Walt Disney World and yeah. recently did in Disneyland. Yeah, okay. But like it was like a week ago that it opened or two weeks ago that it opened in, in Disney World. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, it's like if you told me that these big Disney properties were going to be, I mean, st- Disney's always had that weird like Star Wars thing going on, mm-hmm. uh, like with the, with the, the, you know, Star Wars stuff being in, you know, MGM or whatever they call it now, Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. I still don't really know how that deal came to be, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, but now it's like they've got this full-on Star Wars thing, and they own the Avatar thing, and it's crazy. It's like I do really want to go to Avatar Land, and I had no idea that they literally just like bought the rights from Fox because they were like, "We want to make Avatar Land." That is bonkers. Yeah, yeah, it was like a big deal that they worked out. Um, yeah, it's 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 incredible to see, and it's it's very cool now that the, I I can't wait for the sequels. I think it's going to be so exciting to see. Oh, I think the sequels the sequels are going to be great because mm-hmm. I think that the sequels are probably going to improve on the original one in the way that will make it rememberable. Rem- memorable. 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 That's the word I'm yeah. looking for. <laughs> make it rememberable. Mm-hmm. Because like if there's one thing Disney does not have a problem with, it's making their story stick in your head. Mm-hmm. Like that I, is definitely a strong point there. A hundred percent. I think that the sequels c- will contextualize the first one and make it not feel in the greater story as generic as some people felt it was at the time. Well, you, and you could definitely be mistaken. Or not me. God, I cannot. I'm gonna just start all over here. <laughs> hard reset here. You could definitely be forgiven for thinking that this was like an original Disney property. Because it does ring of a Disney original story in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And, like, I get that it was the whole meme and everything that it's, like, literally just Pocahontas. But, like, it kind of literally is just Pocahontas. But it's also, it's a lot of Disney's. Like, it's it's Atlantis. It's a lot of Disney stories. This is not an uncommon narrative for them to, like, come into the, the you know, the, the different group of people. And then one mm-hmm. of them falls in love with somebody and they make friends. But then there's still the bad guys that are used to be on the what you thought was the good side. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that's a pretty common Disney narrative. So I, I get where people are coming from from and I, I don't think it's generic the, the way people say it is I, I, I've, I've been one to ascribe to that theory like I have definitely been one of the people in the corner of being like well Avatar is literally just Pocahontas you could see the meme right here mm-hmm. um, but watching it today for the first time in 10 years it, it, it is um, it is definitely less generic than I thought it was but the, I, the problem I have with it is like I'm already having trouble holding on to like what happened in the movie <laughs> not the not like the greater points like I, I've got the like Jake is, you know, I completely forgot that he was, like, there in place of his dead brother. Like, that was such a, like... There, there's a lot of like pieces about the story that that sort of don't necessarily fit in. I mean, they make sense, but like it, they aren't really, really like necessary mm. to an extent. And that's that's any James Cameron movie. I mean, they are generally way longer than they need to be, just sort of by default. I mean, there was like a like a five and a half hour long cut of uh, Abyss that he was like, I want to release this in theaters, and they were like, No, <laughs> it's five and a half hours long. No one's gonna watch this movie. Oh my goodness! Um, and it's like Titanic. You know, there's there's various like theater theatrical editions that exist that are like three hours and 20 minutes long and it's like Mm -hmm. you can watch the ship sink in real time and it's crazy but that's that's just james cameron for you Uh, the dude's an incredible storyteller i just don't think that he necessarily landed the story on this one quite as well as some of his other movies especially Mm -hmm. but i'm really really excited for the sequels after watching this today because i just want Mm -hmm. them i want to see what they could do i want to see what's gonna look like now well yeah i mean one of the few things that i've heard about is that they developed uh 
motion cap technology that works underwater. So at some point they're going to be going completely underwater and mapping their movements, which I'm just sorry. Cool. What? That's incredible. Yeah. Like the reason it hasn't released yet is because they've been developing this technology for the last 10 years. Yeah. Cause they've been working on this one for a minute. Like, yeah, it, they're still not set to come out for, is it next year or the year after? It's, I, I've got it all pulled up right next to me. It's December 17th, 2021. 21. Okay. So mm -hmm. you got about, you got about two and a half years. Yeah. Whew, that's a long time, man. That's, that's a full, like, that's 12 years after the original came out. I mean, that's not, that's, that's like a Pixar thing, you know, mm -hmm. Pixar set that precedent all of a sudden, <laughs> but for some reason, like this will feel like such a bigger gap, like Incredibles one, I guess, cause it happened when I was a kid, mm -hmm. but like Incredibles, not Incredibles, Avatar one happened when I was in high school. Like it was, I had my driver's license. Like I drove <laughs> myself to the movie to see this. Mm -hmm. Um, so it feels like a, the, the gap between Incredibles 1 and Incredibles 2 is going to feel a lot smaller than the gap between Avatar 1 and Avatar 2 just because it is that like that time frame it's like that one came out when I was a kid and then when I was like a young adult this one's going to come out like from the time I was a sort of like a, a teenager to like a grown man watching yeah. Avatar 2 when I'm 28 years old <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. I I mean, yeah, because I was like 11 years old when this movie came out, and so it's definitely just a huge span of time. And uh, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it's just something I'm very excited about, and I I can't really comprehend it completely. But next to me, I also have the not official but the rumored titles for the next four movies, and they sound pretty sick. So the next one's supposed to be called Avatar The Way of Water. The third one is Avatar The Seed Bearer. The fourth is Avatar The Tolkien Rider. And the final one is supposed to be called Avatar The Quest for Awa. The I'm sorry, did you say the Tolkien Rider? Yeah. How is that spelled? T-U-L-K-U-N. Oh, okay. Okay. So it, mu it I, must like, be something from it. Uh, yeah, I just thought you meant like, I thought you were saying like J-R-R -R Tolkien, <laughs> like T-O-L-K-I-E-N or whatever, E-I-N or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's 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 incredible. I mean, they're all going to just be, because they exist, even today, it's so easy to get lost in this magic world they have created. It's insane. It's it's a beautiful place. You know, most of the animals, I think they did a good job with. I, I, I take issue with like that first beast that showed up to try to attack Jake when, when he first meets. Natiri. I was like, that looks like a, a, a panther made of rubber. Like, <laughs> it looks like you mm -hmm. took the pink panther and made him black and made him out of like tires. <laughs> But yeah. I'm still I'm still shocked at how good the actual the 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 um Omatakaya what what are they called the the Navi yeah I'm still shocked at how good they look mm -hmm. just like the, the the motion capture was you know I mean it's obviously they've had motion motion capture figured out for a long time like you know th there was Lord of the Rings and all that it's like we had mm -hmm. we had Gollum it was crazy or whatever um but the motion capture for those people still just looks incredible and it's it's you know, it's lifelike. Uh, even though you never, you never see Zoe Saldana outside of the, because she doesn't have it outside of the blue. Like she doesn't have a body. Yeah, she's not an avatar. She's just a person. Mm -hmm. But it's like you know, I could still tell that that's her and still see what he she looks like and and has this real presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of crazy, like. A Christmas Carol, which was a Disney release that had like the motion capture for like Jim Carrey that was released in the same year. And it's just kind of insane to think about that those are like similar technologies being implemented at the same time, but one is just doing it at a completely different level to the other. Yeah, that's that's crazy because that movie is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Like that, that movie is a, just an absolute nightmare. 
<laughs> it's 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 not as bad as uh as bad as the Polar Express, as far as mm-hmm. like whatever they did. I can't remember what the what the trick for that movie was, but it was like they they like filmed it, but then like did bad motion capture over top of the film or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the trick to Polar Express was, but it yeah. it, it ended up making these just absolute nightmare fuel characters. Mm-hmm. And I would I would lump. Um, I would love the Christmas Carol, the animated Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey in amongst that sort of, uh, that sort of movie. But this is, this is a whole different level. So why, mm-hmm. what, what is it about the, this movie? I keep saying these movies. I forget that there's not sequels like out. <laughs> what is it about this movie that is so captivating to you and to people in general? I think what is so special about this movie is just how large of scale everything feels even though it's really only tracking a few characters but you're still able to get the the paintbrushes to the to the large hero journey that's taking place and since it's intermixed with such a gorgeous world and beautiful score it just all like works together in such a great way that i feel like it's just such a powerful movie to watch and even if it's not has if even though it doesn't have the most perfect story i think it's just it's just such a great film to experience well that's the thing is i truly don't think that there's anything wrong with the story yeah i i I genuinely feel like they like wrote the story and then the the difference like the, it got lost somewhere between story and script because mm. like there's some there's some bad lines in this movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and like they've got Sigourney Weaver doing the Sigourney Weaver thing constantly and just spewing out this like pseudoscience I, I, that's that's where I start to get I started to get lost it's like when they're talking to look at the flux vortex I'm like guys <laughs> yeah it's like you 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 took it from this place where I felt like I was watching something not serious but like something that actually could exist and then they were like we're just gonna like stop making sense entirely mm. and so that's that's my thing is it's like and there's there's just some weird like and again this is this way in all James Cameron movies there's some weird like shots and like dialogue lines where it's just like why did this like there's one scene where where they're um shooting things out the side of a uh, the helicopter like when they're burning the tree down originally yeah. and they cut to that one dude in in the mask on the door who'd been around a couple times but he's not anything more than just like a grunt guy mm-hmm. and he just says something totally weird like let's burn them all down and i was like <laughs> what are you doing what is this this is not storytelling it's like what did this shot add to the movie <laughs> i yeah I, I definitely understand what you mean like that that was something that uh, like what was it trying to say that that there was humans that were excited to exterminate these people like that seems i thought that you know that seems clear enough from the way that colonel was behaving <sighs> oh but, god he's he is just an awful character not nah, there i mean there's not there's not a lot of notes to him yeah i mean there's it's somebody watched literally somebody watched Disney's Atlantis, a wonderful movie, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And they watched Commander Rourke and then like wrote down <laughs> notes and like called somebody else and was like, this is how we should play this character. And that guy was the one who wrote the script for him. <sighs> there is this TV show uh, and I believe it was an NBC show or CBS show that was called Terra Nova. And it, it was like this huge budgeted show about like going back in time to like the prehistoric era to avoid the all the pollution and stuff. And the same guy who plays the colonel does the exact same role being a military guy in this like 
weird jungle place with dinosaurs and everything. It's hilarious because I was like, oh, he yeah, he only guy. plays that character. <laughs> yeah. Like that is you can look at his extensive um his extensive filmography and he is the same character in like every movie. <laughs> like he was in Gods and Generals. He played Stonewall Jackson in Gods and Generals. Like that's that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need a buff old man. He is. He has been hired for Avatar Two and Avatar Three. By the way, what? Don't know what his role is. I mean, I know what his role is. I don't know how big his role is going to be. But Colonel Miles Quaritch <laughs> has been hired for Avatar Two and Three. All right then. Yeah. Wait. So if they're do- they're doing them every two years, aren't they? Yeah. So it's going. So that fifth that fifth one's gonna come out like when I'm like thirty something. Yeah. Twenty seven. Twenty twenty seven is when it's released. I'm gonna be thirty four years old. Yeah. I'm gonna be almost thirty. Thirty four years old. I will likely be taking my child to see Avatar <laughs> Five. Dude, same. I'm not even married. <laughs> God, that's amazing. James Cameron, he, like, there's a very real possibility that James Cameron just kicks off before these are even done. <laughs> He's not a spring chicken. <laughs> there's a very real possibility that Steven Lang, who plays Miles Corridge, would die. Yeah, it's oh, so no, far but away. He is just, I mean, every... And, and he's one of the things that sticks out for me about this movie. Like, I could, for the past 10 years, I could have at any point in that given time quoted you a bunch of his, like, Oh, I've seen your file. Venezuela, that was some mean bush. <laughs> this is Pandora. God. Everything out there wants to kill you, son. If you get soft, Pandora will chew you up and eat you and spit you out dead. Oh, God. It's just everything he says is that... That monotone delivery, like the, oh, recon gyrene in a blue person, that's a potent combination, son. <laughs> he's like a, he's like a sheriff in a western, but he has no <laughs> business being in this movie. God, I remember, like, Jake comes in, and, and he's just pushing on the bench press, and it's just, like, stacks on stacks next to him. Oh, yeah, because this low gravity will make you soft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then, and then, in the pivotal moment, they hand it off to Giovanni Ribisi to be the bad guy. When he just gets mm-hmm. his final, uh, Selfridge, whatever his name is, he gets his final like I, I don't even know what he says at this point, but he has this big like angry line about like we're just gonna we just move him or whatever. Oh yeah, the like the CEO guy. Yeah, when he finally blows up, mm-hmm. and it's like you you set it up that that he you know is just the the kind of like useless CEO guy that he's not the one calling the shots and then when you finally make him call the shots it's like you've got this big awkward scene where he cannot deliver that line yeah because he's just the pencil pusher that's what you that's what you're supposed to think Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know there's like I said this 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 movie does not necessarily suffer from it it lets First of all, it lets too many of its actors dictate their parts. It's like mm. they got Sigourney Weaver to play Sigourney Weaver in Alien in this movie. They got <laughs> Stephen Lang to play that guy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it, per se, but it's just like they got Michelle Rodriguez, who is Trudy, to just be that person that she is in every movie. You're going to be the rough around the edges girl who uh, turns out to be good in the end. Driving she's your a pilot. Yep. <laughs> and she's going to die a fiery, heroic death. For the family. For the family. <laughs> for the trees. Yeah. 
Oh. And I mean, it, it literally is just Disney's Pocahontas, but that's because Disney's Pocahontas is just a fairly standard story about uh, everything. Yeah. Like you could, because they, they did that thing where they, again, I, I talk about this. It was definitely a meme that circulated around the internet before memes were even a thing. But it was like a, a, the the pitch from Pocahontas that somebody just cut it or like crossed out all the the proper nouns and replace them with the proper nouns from Avatar. But it's like, you could do that with Atlantis. You could do that with literally any movie, any like racially charged movie ever is the same deal. Yes. Like any of those, like, you know, this is a, this is a, a black cop who has to go work in a majorly white district. It's like, it's the same movie. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. There's a reason those stories get told. And I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's the problem this movie has. Like I, 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 and granted, I was the one bringing, I'm talking a lot about this because I sort of feel bad about the way I've treated this movie over the past 10 years. <laughs> I think that's that's sort of my case is that like I really wanted to I really wanted to go into this today and not like this movie. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to, but I just couldn't. It's not possible. Well, see, that's where I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a back and forth trying to describe like the good parts of the movie versus your ideas about the bad parts. I was, I'm very surprised that you were like, you're all on board for four more Avatar movies. But for, I, I, whoa, 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 whoa. I am on board for, I realized that at this point I have, I have sort of, I've been grinding against the gears for too long and I've sort of realized that I'm not going to stop. I cannot personally stop Disney from this insane quest that they're on right now to mm-hmm. own everything and, and and just run every franchise into the ground slowly but surely. Not that I think they're making bad movies. I just think that they, they have no concept for when they should stop making certain movies. Because mm. um, again, I, I'm not particularly stoked for four or more Avatar. One more Avatar movie, two more Avatar movies. Let's yeah, let's get proof of concept <laughs> there for these sequels. But this is like, no, we're, we're going to greenlight four. We're going to give you what? I don't know, $1.2 billion to make these movies. Yeah, it's kind of, it's pretty ambitious. Because like, if, if this cost $237 million in, in 2000, when did they make this? Like 2004, 2005, they started this? Mm-hmm. How much are these movies going to cost now yeah. that money is worth less and that movies are more expensive? $2 billion for four more? Like, is that, un- I mean, it'll make it back, probably. Something might happen. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what I think the box office on Avatar 2 is going to look like. Yeah. I honestly have no clue. Well, and- Here's the other thing. Will it be large for the second one and then slowly decline until the final one? Or will it just be a constant decline? Or, I mean, who knows? But because it all depends on what especially the next one is, but really the next two are to determine if people are going to stay on board. Right. Because that's kind of how I felt with uh, Fantastic Beast series is I saw the first one thought it was all right compared to the Harry Potter movies. Thought it yeah, thought it was all right, but it proved its it proved its concept, it gets a sequel. Yeah, it's like there's more to be had. Probably more could have happened or, you know, if it would have been more streamlined or something, but okay. And then the second one just kind of like it's like okay, I mean, these are still things that I wasn't in love with in the first ones, but I guess we're getting two two or three more of these. But all right, <laughs> and I, I, I truthfully do not, not think they're going like to see that. Avatar. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to see that series to the end. To tell you the truth, um, I have very, very low hopes. Is not the right word because I'm not particularly hoping one way or the other, but I have low expectations for how long those Fantastic Beast movies are going to last. I agree, especially since they keep getting delayed. Because if this new one doesn't crush, like absolutely crush, I think they're done. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, that, and that's what I would hate is for them to sort of leave this this story off in the middle. Mm-hmm. I hate to see, I hate to see any story left off in the middle. Like TV shows getting canceled drives me crazy. Movies getting canceled movies not getting a sequel drives me crazy like i hate to see any story cut off in the middle but it's like i kind of get where they're coming from yeah like crimes of grindelwald didn't do that well in the box office and like everybody hated it like literally everyone Mm -hmm. um but i i i i 
unless it's very, very good, I don't see the second one making as much money as the first one. Oh, yeah. Because, like, think literally it's... three movies ever have sort of even hit anywhere near that mark. Uh yeah, how do you how do you convince people to show up more than they did to Avengers Endgame? Like, I, I think it's a very difficult road to walk. But I mean, who knows? Yeah, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I really, I I would love to like, I, you know, obviously I don't want to fast forward, but like I would, I'm just very curious to see what it's gonna look like. Yes. Because this now is big bat. It's crazy, like, because now, now that it, uh, now that Avengers Endgame has beaten it, it just like doesn't hold any record anymore whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Just because of, of the specific way that it made money, like it kept making money sort of every. It didn't have like a big thing at the beginning. It sort of made a lot of money every week. Whereas even Avengers Endgame, it was like, oh, it made almost you know so much money in the first, like, it made a billion at point two in the first weekend. And then it like sort of struggled to kind of get across the line there. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know, it's just it was over taken in so many different aspects it's like you know it's not the biggest movie to ever come out in december because of star wars and it's like it's not the biggest movie ever anymore it holds like third and fourth and fifth weekend records but that's it yeah and it's just crazy how it's just gone from the the, the list now because hmm. it sat there for so long yeah i don't yeah. know I, uh, it's but a big movie it is it it's is big movie. what did what did you think of uh jake sully and uh natiri being together I've never, so straight up, I have never liked the dude that plays Jake. <laughs> like, even even when I was watching this when I was 16 years old when it came out in 2009, I was like, who is this guy that they got for this part? Mm -hmm. He's just like, he's just like a white dude. And I'm not saying they needed to use some big name actor, but he's just sort of a guy. Yes. He definitely falls into the trope of this is this is a blank slate character that you can more relate with what he's going through and not really him as a character. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you you you've gotta you've gotta put yourself, and that's what this movie asks you to do a lot is sort of put yourself in Jake's shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, and even at the beginning, like you know, it, no, never mind. I'll come back to that point. But yeah, it asks you to put yourself in Jake's shoes a lot. The one thing I didn't necessarily think that they did a great job of um in this movie is like this this is this movie is a hundred and sixty seven minutes minutes long or whatever mm -hmm. you could have spent more than four minutes showing me the building of the relationship between jake and natiri <laughs> because you get yeah. from like you get from him being like yeah totally three months i'm gonna infiltrate the the natives awesome to like you know uh i don't want to go home you get that like real quick in the movie it's like it's supposed to be mm -hmm. months or whatever it's supposed to be all this time built together and it's not quite a montage but it's like almost a montage yeah and that was just the one thing i was like man we you you just skipped a lot of like important you could have at least shown me a couple scenes of like him sort of getting it sure yeah i definitely understand what you mean so that was my only from like a storytelling perspective around jake and the that was my only thing is like it sort of didn't sell me on why he bought in all of a sudden i mean i get why he buys in you're showing the scene where he gets to run and that's enough like he gets to walk again he's talking about his own feet as if he's talking about the avatar's feet as though his they're his own feet mm -hmm. and it's like that's all you need to, to sort of know what he's feeling but it's like i don't know that would have I, I feel like that would have been good movie storytelling well, yeah because they they spend so much time him entering pandora for the first time at night and then you spend so much time with him like kind of after he's decided that it's like settling in that he's now has to make this big choice but yeah it i definitely agree that would have been right something helpful 
it's like borrow borrow ten minutes from that freaking battle, man. Like, mm-hmm. and I get it, big Michael Bay battle sequences, whatever. It's cool. Like, I get it. I understand that is you know obviously this is 2009 this is sort of before the mcu really took off but like that's what the mcu sort of built its name around but like watching this in 2019 i'm like just tell me some of the story man like tell me some more of this this genuinely interesting tale between these two people of different species that are falling in love yeah yeah i totally agree because like that's why avengers endgame did so well is because it wasn't just you know a three hour long battle as it could have been yeah there's a lot more coming into play there's a lot diff more It was a diverse number of story beats that were going through it with the whole time traveling thing. Each act felt extremely distinct. For sure. This, yeah, this movie did not feel like it had a second act. Mm, Yeah. To me. I mean, you could, you could say like, but it's such a big climax when they tear the tree down is the thing. That's sort of what leads to that problem as well is that like, I get that's the end of the second act, Mm -hmm. but like that just feels like part of the third act. It feels like everything from the moment that they, they destroy the tree of souls to the moment that the tree gets pulled down, the big one, home tree, that like, that feels like it's part of the third act. Yeah. And I get that like the third act starts when he you know, tames the dragon, which I kind of get why you like this movie. I kind of get it. I see where you're coming from, Isaac. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not pulling one over on me with the whole dragon thing. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not that slick. I get where you're coming from. Because <laughs> when he, when he does the thing where he's like, you know, he's the biggest predator out there. Why would he ever look up? I'm like, man, you would do really well in Berk. <laughs> Dude, that's what the the ride is like at Walt Disney World. It's called Flight of Passage. And the whole idea is that you're flying on the back of a banshee. And so so many people are like, that would be so cool if it was a How to Train Your Dragon ride. That was like one of the first thoughts I had after getting off of it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. DreamWorks needs a park. No, no. I said that and then I disagree (laughs) with it immediately. Okay, here's how it'd be. Here's what happens. Mm -hmm. DreamWorks needs to buy Warner Brothers and then DreamWorks needs to make a Harry Potter slash how to train your dragon theme park and that's it dude do you know who owns dreamworks who universal guess who owns universal it's comcast uh, man cool. it's just... <sighs> wait universal owns dreamworks i didn't i, I probably knew that somewhere yeah. i don't know i don't have like a, a my flow my flow chart of who owns which studio has gotten so out of date in the past few years yeah um, i find it fascinating yeah, because Universal I, also owns Lu- Illuminations, so the Illumination yeah. CEO rules them both now. Man, why do these Universal Studios park suck so bad then? Well, yeah. Why is it so horrible? Well, they're. I like, mean, because like mm-hmm. I went, I went down there for the um for the Super Carlin Brothers meetup in December, right? Sure. And I had never been to Universal before. Like I was never wanted. We didn't go to Florida when I was a kid. It wasn't like a thing. It's like I wanted to go. If I wanted to go to a theme park, we had plenty of those around here. I get that they're not the same or whatever, but it's like I wanted to go on roller coasters. There was one down the street. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. So like we didn't go all the way to Florida for that. Um, but so I went to Universal for the first time as like a 25-year-old man. And granted, I went to Harry Potter World and I was like, man, this is really cool. This is a really cool thing. But like, it's really small. It's like really small. It's like uh-huh. a really small area of that park. And they've still got rides based on like Men in Black 2 and The Simpsons and the 2001 or 2003 Hulk movie. And like King Kong that came out in 2005 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Guys, you own, I guess now I, I realize that you they own the, the How to Train Your Dragon movies and all the other DreamWorks properties. Mm-hmm. Um, they own freaking all the Jurassic Park movies. Like, why? what are you guys doing? You have so many great properties to capitalize on with these rides. Why is there a Spider-Man ride? Why is there a The Mummy with Brendan Fraser ride? Well, I mean- Why do you have the rock and roll roller coaster that isn't sponsored by Aerosmith? <laughs> 
Like, what are you doing? Just, just rename them. Well, that's the, that's kind of the weird thing about Universal versus Disney is that when Disney implements something, it's typically something that has already made a huge impact in pop culture in some way, or it's a timeless story that they like can bet on. Like they're putting in like a Ratatouille ride. Like Ratatouille isn't going to suddenly become dated in 10 years. Like the story still is good. Some people are concerned right. about Marvel, but I honestly think just based off of the history of Marvel comics, Marvel is a legacy franchise. Yeah. But like the mummy, yes, it, it has a long history, but that one iteration is not something that I necessarily think needs its well, own experience. It's not even that. It's just like you can you can go around Universal Studios, the theme park, and mm -hmm. you can clearly see that like they're putting all of their time and energy and money into Harry Potter World. Yeah. But like Harry Potter World is not growing fast enough for them to justify for that for it to look like they're putting all their time and money and energy into it. They need if they want to make the parks. I, and I guess they're probably doing all right because they keep it open. But it, mm -hmm. just from like an outside perspective, it's like if you're going to compete in. In, in Orlando, you gotta offer some freaking magic, man. Like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, because that's that was the one thing that shocked me. And I know that there are people that listen to this show that work at Universal Studios, and I'm sorry, the people that work in Harry Potter World do not buy into it at all. Mm -hmm. They're just not, I, the exception of some of the people that work in like Ollivanders and stuff like that. The the your average Harry Potter World staff wouldn't last a freaking day at Disney World. Mm, interesting point. And it's like if you work at the Krusty the clown ride in the Simpsons land whatever dude like fine be miserable that fits the bill but like <laughs> it's Harry Potter what like I, I, if I was Universal Studios that that's where I'd be and I get they are but like I would be putting more time and energy and money into like making Harry Potter world bigger yeah expanding because right now it's like we were there on a, a granted we were there on a week to, or weekend but it was the, it was the middle of freaking winter like the beginning of December and like there was not room to move in Harry Potter world. Well, December is typically like in between Thanksgiving and Christmas is typically a very dead season. So yeah, it being packed like that is kind of crazy. Well, no, that's the thing is the park was empty. Mm -hmm. empty it's like it was a ghost you go over on the side of the park that has the men in black ride and all the simpsons crap and the transformers ride again transformers 2007 what why are you <laughs> doing this just call it bumblebee the ride that was your new movie that came out and made a ton of money and everybody loved it it was adorable mm -hmm. just repaint it yellow it's not mm, it's not hard <laughs> you can face it's you know what it's a roller coaster you can build the story around the roller coaster. It's what they did when they had the, the Dueling Dragons ride, and they were like, this is uh, Harry Potter and the the uh, Triwizard Tournament Fireball ride. <laughs> it's like you did that, and it worked until it started hurting people, but it worked. Mm. It's like, it's, it's a roller coaster. It doesn't tell a story. It's just a big track with a car. Like <laughs> How hard is it to like just redesign some of these rides so they feel up to date instead of just lazy? Mm -hmm. But it's like the rest of the park was a ghost town. Well, that was wild. I don't know. That's really interesting too because they've recently stated that they're actually they're opening up a new gate which is going to be called Epic Universe or Epic Universes. So it's going to be Universal's Epic Universe. Oh great, a third ticket. Awesome. Yeah. So so they're just gonna increase the price to go into this already terrible theme park. Well, that's, that's kind of the weird thing, too, because, like, you being someone who, you know, will eventually be having kids before yeah. Adver Avatar 5 comes out, and you've experienced it, and you already feel like it's out of date, why why would you bring your kids there, you know? I mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't. If I'm yeah. going to go all the way, if I'm going to go all the way down to Orlando with my children, I'm just, and I, mm, I got to steal myself for the rest of the sentence. <laughs> I'm just going to bring them to Disney World. Yes, 
that's the right answer. You know why? Because like because Star Wars and Pixar and like <laughs> Disney's fun and they buy into it. They've got mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's a whole package. Like no, I don't necessarily believe in like you know the the suspension of disbelief and falling into the magic and truthfully believing that there's a giant toy walking around in front of me. But it's mm-hmm. like it's it's still a really cool place compared to. I, they would have to do some serious work to Harry Potter World to make me even want to go back of my own volition, let alone dragging children. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it's like it's it's like a hundred and fifty dollars a day to get the park hopper pass, which you have to have to go both sides to go to Hogsmeade, which sucks, and to the um the Diagon Alley part of, of Harry Potter World. Uh, I think it's so audacious that they would have the nerve to extend Harry Potter Land between two parks like that. I think it is audacious that they have the nerve to call those two parks. Because <laughs> like, I get it, like, like uh, I guess maybe there's been an expansion, but like some of those Disney parks are not the biggest, I, with mm-hmm. the exception of Animal Kingdom and the big zoo and everything. It's like Magic Kingdom's like a pretty small place compared to most theme parks yeah mm-hmm. and, but it's like it's they pack so much more into magic kingdom than exists in both universal studios parks mm-hmm. the fact that they have the audacity to call those two parks <laughs> is insane because they don't even look like two parks it's like you you if you bought the wrong ticket you could easily walk to the wrong gate <laughs> you're not going into disney world like man i bought a ticket today for universal or not for universal for uh hollywood studios and i'm at animal kingdom i really goof this one up yeah they're distinct enough that you can comprehend what the differences are they don't even touch to my knowledge no no they especially at walt disney world at disneyland they're they're literally like just a walk across the sidewalk away oh i have i have thoughts about granted i haven't been at disneyland but i have i have malicious thoughts about disneyland <laughs> what's that okay so Disney people, uh-huh. and I'm not talking about you, Isaac, but like right. big, big, big Disney stands have a, a slight tendency to be unforgiving with people getting the words wrong oh. and the names of stuff wrong. And one time I was I said that something was in Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. And I got told, no, it's not in Disneyland. It's at California Adventure, which is part of Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> See, honestly, and the person, those and the person, I'm sure the person, uh-huh. the person, I'm sure meant it well, but like it felt to me, which is the, sort of the way it came across, was like, no, you idiot, it's at the other place, and I was like, but that's still part of Disneyland, right? Like, I'm not, I don't know, there just needs to be a way to differentiate those things. I mean. Yeah, it's it's so silly because it's the Disneyland Resort and then Disneyland and California Adventure are the two right. parks. On- <laughs> I get that they're two parks, but it's just like yeah. call one of them Magic Kingdom One or some something like just invent a new thing. Call oh. the thing that you call Disneyland something else, or call mm. the whole thing something else. Well, it, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I don't think it's that big a problem. I think it's just I just think it's something that should not be scrutinized over because right, it's like it's like dude, I, I yeah, I don't know the difference between California Adventure. I know that California Adventure is the one that has the roller coaster. See, and I don't like that type of scrutiny with stuff like that because then I don't want to have someone who just feels, you know, in the middle about Disney. They can appreciate some of the things they do but are critical of it at times, feel like isolated and feel like it's too large of thing that they can't approach. And so I think those types of things should be forgiven much more in the Disney community. For sure. I mean, I, and and I notoriously, I don't get the parks the way a lot of people get the parks. Like, I think they're very cool. I think they're very cool theme parks. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they're theme parks. Like I, the, the 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 magic sort of isn't a, a thing for me. It's like it's it's really cool. It's a really cool theme park. Um, but it's like it's what mm-hmm. I would sort of it's the step up I would sort of expect paying that much money to go to a theme park. Mm. You know, it's like if I if I paid you know however much money it is to get in Disney World and I just got like Cedar Point, I'd be like, okay, 
cool feel kind of ripped off here okay i get what you're saying you're like for you know the money saying? It's you're like, paying this is what is for the money i'm paying yeah disney world is what i expect but for disney world money i'm not going to universal studios <laughs> Well, like I never, I never thought I would say that like you get more bang for your buck at Disney World because I truthfully don't think that's the case for like anything. It's like Disney World is probably the worst place in the world to buy literally any piece of anything just from a, mon a monetary standpoint. Well, especially when the longer you stay, the cheaper your ticket becomes per day. So if yeah. you are going to have a seven day long vacation. Oh, well, that's it. That's any theme park though. They'll, they yeah. all do that. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Well, to some extent, it's like you can get it for the price of one and a half uh, single day tickets to Busch Gardens, you can get a whole season pass. Oh, wow. That's wild. But then they, but then they, you know, th that's how they get you though, is like people will go like, well, I'm just going to buy three days because I don't, I'm only going to be there for three days. And then they don't even look. It's like the season pass is like $110 and a single day is like $70. Well, yeah, because they would prefer you come the entire season whenever you want so that you buy their food when you're yeah, you there. You buy the food. And yeah. all that, yeah. That's absolutely the way it works. Mm -hmm. Which, as long as you understand that going into it, that's all you need. And also, Busch Gardens had this interesting problem. Well, they had this. It's not an interesting problem anymore. It's just an actual problem. Mm -hmm. um, but before the Busch Gardens parks got bought by SeaWorld and then uh, by whoever owns SeaWorld now mm -hmm. or whatever, um, they were just owned by like Anheuser Busch, who has more money than God because they sell all of the beer like in the world. <laughs> And they just operated Bush Gardens, the two Bush Gardens parks, at like a huge, huge loss. Really? Yeah, because they were like, "This is cool. People come. They buy a lot of beer. Like whatever. Like it just it adds to the brand, and it was like a good way to like, you know, offshoot some tax problems and whatever." Mm -hmm. But then like the parks were bought by like a theme park company who now needs to run them like you know at a profit to make money Oof. like a company does. <laughs> And so uh. it's like, you know, Busch Gardens in Williamsburg has had the, the, the mantle of like world's most beautiful theme park for like the last 30 years or something like that, because it's just immaculately well-kept and completely covered in trees and everything. And it's like really hard to maintain that now because it's expensive. And Anheuser-Busch sure. is like, whatever, you know, millions of dollars, it's fine. Whatever. We sell beer, guys. Come on. We're good. Man, that's wild because I've heard that name of the park for years, I never connected that it was owned by a beer company. Oh, I just thought Bush Gardens was like, all I, th all I focused on was the gardens part. I didn't even yeah, notice. Yeah, so it is literally, like, the one in Williamsburg is literally next to a huge beer factory. <laughs> it's not quite like, like in Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. you can go to like the Hershey's Chocolate Factory and yeah. get like a tour with the same ticket as it gets you into the park. It's not that way at Bush Gardens. Like you don't just get to go into the beer factory, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's mm -hmm. right next door. It's like you there there's, if you have to go into the overflow parking, you accidentally drive into the, like actual employee parking sometimes for like Anheuser-Busch that makes Bud Light. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, so there's one in, in Virginia and one in Tampa and they're very nice. Well, the Virginia one's a very nice park. I've never been to the one in Tampa. I'd yeah. like to, but um, just sort of as a comparison thing. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, they, they operate this. We're talking a lot about theme parks, but I guess that's sort of why you're interested in Avatar. Yeah. That's that's so wild to me. I had no that's such a wild like thing that it was just like, oh, well, they made the land at Disney World. So I decided to get super, super into the the movies or the movie. And I was like, that's that's awesome. Yeah. How is is the land at Disney World? Cool. I want to go there. It's it's incredible. Like for many. Well, for lots of people that I've talked to. And this is something that I've experienced as well. Going on Flight of Passage was like something that like brought tears to my eyes, how like incredible of an experience it was. Like there was a lot of love put into that land and 
it's it's kind of crazy that they did that for the franchise. Um, like, because I went into that ride specifically. Oh my goodness. I also remember the name of the, the boat ride. It's called Navi River Journey. I'm so glad I finally remembered that. But Flight of Passage. Wait, what? Hmm? There's a boat ride? Yeah. So there's like, there's two attractions. There's Flight of yeah. Passage where you're flying on the Banshee and it like, there's like air, you can feel it move. You're like, it really feels like you're flying through it all. And you can like feel the Banshee like breathing on your like legs as you go. So it's, it feels like really, it's like a completely different experience than everything. Wait, so this isn't like a roller coaster. Done. No, this is like, this is the type of ride where there's a giant screen. You're wearing 3D glasses. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got you. You're like mounted over this, uh, this thing that feels like you're going over like a motorcycle or something. The Then the other ride's Navi River Journey, which it feels like you're going through like Pandora. And then that's where you see the giant Navi animatronic that I was talking about earlier. And that's, it's just crazy. So now did they just, uh, did they just repurpose the, uh, already existing boat ride at Animal Kingdom? Oh, no, no. This is like, it's completely different. Like it's in its own separate area. Like, okay, that's is, cool. Yeah, there was like the, the Cali River Rapids. That's like yeah. a raft ride. This is like a slow moving boat ride. Like uh, freaking. Uh, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean. Or, yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So not like Splash Mountain. No, no. Yeah, it's a slow moving ride. But yeah, the, the yeah. land is very cool especially at night because you know typically like or i mean this is pretty consistent throughout all of animal kingdom is that it's supposed to feel like you're in the country or the land that you're in so it's very like low lighting at night you you don't have to sell me on animal kingdom (laughs) that's actually that's legitimately my favorite disney park like i've never even been to the avatar park mm -hmm. that was already my favorite disney park that's exactly how it was for my brother too is that he's like this is this is one of the coolest experiences it, it's like a theme park unlike any other really that's and where it, that jurassic park ride used to be right oh yeah the the dinosaur ride yeah mm-hmm. this, yep. so it's no longer jurassic park themed well no no it, it never was jurassic park it wasn't no it was just like oh. it was just like a scientist going back in time that's in the weird like dark corner of animal kingdom that no one talks about right <laughs> yeah dino land usa okay cool i'm not crazy got it yep yeah you're all good okay but cool i couldn't remember if that was the way i was thinking so where's the pandora ride their park then so because it's like, all based it's all like a big wheel around that river right uh yeah so you like walk in towards the tree of life and then you immediately like go left and then turn left again and then oh, okay. you go towards it. Mm-hmm. so there was just nothing down there before yeah and so what's cool about the avatar land is that with that inclusion and Disney making nightlife something more prominent in Animal Kingdom, like adding a nighttime show and like nighttime performers. Yeah. Now the park is able to be open later and it feels like a much more like full day park now. It feels much more well-rounded with that land. Yeah, see, that was the thing is I never felt like the, I, I haven't been, I've only been to, um, I haven't been to Epcot. Yeah. I've not been to Epcot. I've been told that I'm not really missing anything, um, especially before I turned 21, but uh, like... Yeah, I, I always felt that like you could easily handle you, um, Hollywood Studios. I keep trying to call it MGM. Uh, <laughs> you could easily handle Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom in the same day. But then I also heard people were like, I spend two full days in each park every time I go. And I'm like, that is bonkers. See, that's depending on like what type of stuff you do. Because if you show up right in the morning to Hollywood Studios and you do all the rides you want to and aren't interested in going to eat in any of the sit down restaurants or going to any of the shows. Yeah, you can go through it pretty quick now. Now it's going to be much more difficult now that there's 
Toy Story Land open and Galaxy's Edge open. For sure, yeah. But well, that's yeah. what I'm saying is it sounds like they're just moving both of these things into like more full day locations. Because like you can spend a full day in Magic Kingdom, no problem. Like there's a lot going oh, on yeah. there. Yeah. That's there just is. that place is just crowded. Mm-hmm. It's the most visited theme park in the entire world. I believe it, hundred percent. I would have mm-hmm. said Disneyland, but I believe it. Oh, it's Third, Tokyo Disneyland is number two. So Tokyo Disneyland and then U.S. Disneyland? Yep. And then Disneyland Paris? Um, I'm not sure after that. I just remember the top three. Huh. But yeah, Epcot... Epcot's going through a huge renovation right now and it'll get it'll be much more worth your time after that is done like they're building a Guardians of the Galaxy ride which is going to be the largest indoor roller coaster in the world and that's in Disneyland that'll be that'll be in Epcot that'll be in Epcot okay yeah. mm-hmm. okay is there something in the ball in the big golf ball yeah there is it's called Spaceship Earth and it's getting uh redone a little bit um uh, so okay what, what that is is it's supposed to be that you're going on a spaceship through time and you get to see the evolution of mankind. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a very that's a very retro Disney ride. Oh, yeah. I dig that. Yeah. Epcot's the, you know, looking forward to the bright future ahead of us. They got to they gotta rename some of these things, man. Oof. Like Carousel of Progress, that's a bad name. Oh, dude. You, there's no way they can change it now. That's a bad name. It's a legacy up. ride. That's, that's like, that's like, oh, my God. That just, that evokes, like, just dystopian imagery to me. <laughs> that evokes like Brave New World. I can, but like I don't particularly yeah. think that Flight of Passage is a great name either. Well, then then you'll really get a kick out of this. The first ever Mickey Mouse ride that's ever been created is called Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's quite the mouthful. Yeah, but that's like you can just you just thing you know. Yeah, you, you, it, it'll get its nickname is the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like what is that thing called the the train roller coaster in Magic Kingdom that nobody ever says the full name of? Oh, train. You know what I'm talking about like the mine train one. Oh, oh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know it was a Snow White thing. Yeah. Oh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah, that one. That yeah. one. <laughs> yep. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It's over by Splash Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Now I've been told uh, in the interim that I was wrong about this and that Splash Mountain and Pirates of the Caribbean are not right next to each other. Uh no they're not yeah no i have for some reason i have a memory of them like like getting off pirates of the caribbean walking like right around the corner and going to splash mountain hmm. i don't know why i don't know why this is welcome to isaac and ethan talk about the disney world parks <laughs> in excruciating detail yeah <gasps> we're, there are we're people really listening depth. to this show right now that are throwing things listening to me just absolutely have no idea what i'm talking about this is great <laughs> I can just I can hear the DMs slamming into my inbox. I'm just like, no, of course they're not next to each other. They it is kind of right around the corner. Like it's kind of you get off the ride. Well, I mean everything's right around the corner from each other in Magic Kingdom. Well, I mean like like if you said Splash Mountain and Space Mountain were together, that's like you gotta walk across the hub. But this is like literally like you turn out of Frontierland and you're like very close to very close to it. Where is so where is uh parts of the Caribbean? It, Adventureland? Uh, yeah, it's an Adventureland. And it's number 21 on the map. 21. God, there's so many things. Yeah. A pirate's adventure. Oh, no, that's a pirate's adventure. That's not what I want. What is that? Uh, discover mystic adventure and collect treasure finder cards in the self-guided quest through Adventureland. Interactive adventure. No, that's not it. So it's number 20. It's that building right there. Mm, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's what I remember. Yeah, you yeah. come out of there. You got your exit right there. And you just like, they're right next to each other. Yeah, they're very close. That's right next to oh. Oh, I hate people. <laughs> that is that is what I would call. So I'm used to theme parks where like everything is pretty good hike for me. Everything else. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's it's just spread out. 
Like you go, you, you go to Bush Gardens in obviously they're not the same thing, but it's like Bush Gardens of Williamsburg is like 600 acres or something like that. It's crazy. It's huge. It's a big theme park, and there's like five roller coasters, and they're just all over the place. It's like it's a, if you want to go from one big marquee ride to the other, it's like a hike. Yeah, I I just looked it up. Uh, Magic Kingdom is 142 acres, so it's like literally less than a quarter of that. Yeah. Uh, granted, I, I I don't think all of that is uh, in Bush Gardens is like walkable space, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that that's a big differentiator between Disney parks and so the actual lots of like other actual parks. like inside park area is three hundred thirty five acres. Oh, okay. So. No, wait, that's. Tampa. 383 acres in Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Wow. That's big. It's, it's a big, it's big. It's a big park. And Kings Dominion is mm-hmm. the same way. And those are the two that are sort of in Virginia, mm-hmm. the ones I grew up going to. Well, like, it's so, like, that's the thing. When I went to Disney World for the first time in 2007, seven, nine count, seven. Yeah, I was 14 or 15. Okay. 14, I think. Um, I think I was, no, I was just about to turn 15. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I can't count. I can't do math. Math is hard. Um, yeah, we went to the Magic Kingdom and I was like, this is a very small park. Like, this is, this is shocking. This is tiny. This is awesome. Like, I wasn't like exhausted at the end of the day. I was like, I can just walk around and there's stuff everywhere. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to kill myself walking from place to place to get different roller coasters. Well, yeah, especially since like often theme parks that focus on thrill rides, they require those rides to take up massive amounts of space because if you want the ride to last for a minute and you're going 80 miles an hour, you're gonna need a lot of track. But that's right. not Disney's sole focus with rides. So right. you're able to be a lot closer now, together. I, I will tell you straight up, Expedition Everest, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. That's a that's a top tier roller coaster. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Like that roller coaster. I'm a big roller coaster guy. Yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Like that's a solid Space Mountain, I can live without. Honestly, Space Mountain's a little creepy. Mm-hmm. But like Expedition Everest, when, when you when you stop and you go backwards and then there's like the big animatronic Yeti and then you drop down off the big hill, that's a cool roller coaster. Yeah. They got that one right. So mm-hmm. that's why I like Animal Kingdom, man. Animal Kingdom's got some cool rides. You got the Safari thing you got the boat ride you got apparently another boat ride you've got the uh, flight of passage mm-hmm. that just sounds like you're fleeing the country i'm sorry like i, I don't know they gotta rename <laughs> some of these things it's like d- d- like Walt, walt's not alive anymore dude you can just call him whatever like the uh well i mean the idea is that it's like you're passing passing into like going through the the ritual of flying a banshee like from avatar so you're going through the passage of being accepted into the navi but, I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm sure it's cool. I do want to go. Um, I just have not been able to like. Cause they. When did they open that? Uh, they opened that. I think it was like two year, two or three years ago. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Cause mm-hmm. I remember when I when I went to Orlando. Um, I guess it was April of 2018. Mm-hmm. Was it or was it 17? No, it was 18. 2018. Yeah. Um, there was like billboards and everything all over the place for it, and I was like, they what? They did what? They made a Pandora place? What? What is happening? Um, yeah, it was 2018. I went to Orlando twice that year. That's weird. Whatever. Dang. Um, because I my band played a show in Orlando and then I was there for the meetup as well. Oh, it's like I couldn't sure. go to I couldn't go to Disney World because we were like broke and on tour and didn't have time. <laughs> but I do want to go. I do want to go to there. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I'm sure I'll make it back to Disney at some point before the end of the world. <laughs> when I'm bringing my kids to Florida to not go to Harry Potter World. It. Harry Potter is one of those franchises. I'm very curious to see what they'll be like in like 10, 20. 50 years like what happens when the people that are no longer reading them who originally read the books are done with them I have no idea. I don't even want to foresee a future in which the world is not obsessed with Harry Potter I love Harry <laughs> Potter so much like even like I'm not I'm not trying to complain about Harry Potter world I'm just sort of complaining about the general Universal Studios experience 
yeah as a whole mm-hmm. um but it's like it, it is it's not great but it's still like it's harry potter man like you could go at, it was the first vlog i ever posted on my channel you can go watch me walk into Diagon Alley for the first time. That's cool. Because, like, Tyler filmed me walking in and just the look on my face of just like, what? It's <laughs> real. It's like they made the movie in front of me. Mm-hmm. It is like a very, it's a very cool thing. It's a very accurate representation. It's crazy. Just they could use a little, little bit of work on some of the detail parts. Sure. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You just want the full experience for when you go. Yeah, I, I well... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to regret what I'm about to say. All right. I want the Disney World experience, <laughs> but Harry Potter. Like, I want the characters who care. Yeah. That's really what I care about. I want it, I want people walking around, like, in costumes. Yeah. Like, not just being random citizens, but, like, I want to meet, I want to be able to meet the characters. Sure. Like, yeah. I want Woody to walk up and not say anything to me because he's a big foam head. But, like, I want that for Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm never going to live this down, Isaac. Ever. Ever. This is going to be the episode that people point to as my downfall. Yeah, where you, where you started saying that Disney was an entity that you enjoyed and that no, should I be looked I to. did it last week because Ben and I talked about Frozen. I did it last week and I think I said something that was like, I prefer how Disney handles their like extended universe in that they don't, they just let theories be theories. Yeah. Because Wait. I do. I do truly like, mm-hmm. because like if, if J.K. Rowling worked for Disney, it would be like, you know, if, if J.K. Rowling wrote Toy Story, it's like there would be no Pixar theory. Yeah, because she would, she she would, would criticize it, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But Disney doesn't do that. Like Pixar is just like, sure, totes. Have fun, guys. Well, I think I think that's something that's I, I think that's something important that when you make something, you have to let people interpret it how they will. Yes, and have you, fun. With you have it. to. Every other author and every other person who creates anything has known this since the dawn of time. <laughs> but J.K. Rowling has been like, no, actually. Dumbledore was gay the whole time. And it's like, it's fine. It's great that Dumbledore was gay, but it just doesn't matter. It's not important. Mm -hmm. None of these details are important. You wrote the stories, you closed them, you turned him into the publisher, and you're done with it. That's how a book works. There's a whole whole John Green book. It's called The Fault in Our Stars, and it's about what happens after the end of a book. And the answer to that is make it up for yourself. It's been fat. I've watched interviews of him talking about that idea and how it's been to like deal with like creating a book and letting it go out into the world and it's fascinating to hear him talk about it because it it's it's so much deeper the way he thinks about it than i like ever thought was truly thought about it well because that's the thing is he's had a long time to think about it because he wrote looking for alaska a book that that really resonated with not that many people but like a good amount of people yeah like really resonated with them and then there were people just writing into him for years and years and years going what happened to miles after the end of looking for alaska what happened to miles after the end of looking for alaska and he's just like i'm gonna write a book about don't ask me any questions about what happens after the end of a book (laughs) (laughs) And it's also about childhood cancer. Zing. Yeah, bang, bang. <laughs> Just really crushed everyone's spirit on that one. Okay, bye. The Green Brothers are a different type of creative breed. Like, Oh, yeah, they're they're just, it's ridiculous. It should not be legal. Well, I mean, I was surprised how well Hank Green's book did. Because it was like, John Green's established himself as a successful author. I was just so surprised that, like, or wasn't surprised, but I was just 
I wasn't surprised that Hank Green's book did well. I was surprised yeah. that it was good. Yeah, that it was critically as critically acclaimed as his literally like world famous brother. Yeah, who had and it's like a completely different, movies. completely different level of book. It's like John could never have written an absolutely remarkable thing, and Hank could never have written The Fault in Our Stars. And it's like they're two totally separate people, but they share so many details. It's like you can tell this was written by a Green brother, mm -hmm. but it was also the, the, an absolutely remarkable thing. Was so interesting to me because it was you you so rarely get a first piece of fiction from somebody with such an established voice mm, sure because like you know you you know you can pull hank green's i mean you might not be able to i don't know what your relationship with them is but like like hank green's fans can can pull his voice out of their mind like it's no problem if they've been listening to him talk and have interesting and original ideas and things for years and all of a sudden yeah. here's this piece of fiction written by this guy whose voice you already know but not from writing fiction uh, and that's such a fast that was such a fascinating thing that like happened that like as soon as that book happened i was like i was listening to a a woman read it to me because i listened to the audiobook and i was like mm -hmm. this is so this is so hank green like i've never heard, experienced somebody whose voice i already know writing a book who's never written a book before and that was so wild i mean that's the green brothers are the zenith the pinnacle of what good internet content creators can do it's yeah they were able to communicate and build a fan base for over 10 years and they're being able to do so much good with it and when they yeah, a fan base that grows still grows daily to this point yeah that they've never like their channels never die and they're like still doing things that are exploring their interests and expanding who they are that's not purely for cash it's not they didn't pay a ghostwriter to write like a little diary book about that or something like that oh yeah that is my that is so uninteresting to me about youtubers mm -hmm. like the big youtubers are like i'm just gonna ghost write a memoir yeah or i'm gonna have a memoir ghost written for me it's like dude i'm so 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 bored of that mm -hmm. now granted i am i am generally bored of the whole subset of i'm a white person who did something good and this is my memoir <laughs> like i'm a white celebrity here's my memoir i'm so bored of that entire genre it's like everybody's like i'll read chelsea Handler's new book, read, you know, Amy Poehler's new book, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I, yeah. I, they, they might be very enlightening to some people, it's just not not my thing so it's like once once youtubers started doing it i was like guys you're interesting for reasons that that you're interested for reasons that mainstream media have not figured out yet write a book that is interesting for those reasons sure because mm -hmm. it's like if, if if everybody who did youtube videos and obviously i'm sitting here talking to a person who makes their livelihood on youtube for making genuinely interesting and innovative content it's like isaac if you if you ghost wrote a memoir i would i would just i wouldn't know how to approach it like i would i would i would feel like i stopped knowing some part of you <laughs> And granted, I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, I have a book deal for a, a bunch of money, if you ghostwrite a member, just do it. Just do, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Do it. Take the money, release something into the world, like get your thing while you can get it. Mm -hmm. I, I have no problem with that, but it's just like watching the Green Brothers for so long. It's I have this immense level of respect for these people that just continue to create everything from their own hands. Yeah. Well, and that's because I don't think I would be able to create something that's so like, mm, like tied in with like a legacy as a book or something that's as big as a book where it's like, you know, like I've tried my hand at doing things like merch and going through like paths like that creating affiliate links, trying to do stuff like that to like further monetize my content and do things like that so that, you know, I can continue to make YouTube videos. But with something as feels like as intimate or could be as powerful as a book, 
that would be something that I'd want to put, you know, much more thought into. Well, that's the thing is like you see a bunch of, you know, million, two million subscriber YouTubers making books that sell to like a few people mm -hmm. because it's just, it, it's cool. It's like you wrote a book, you did a thing. Great. You have your name on a book. Awesome. Like nobody can ever take that away from you. That's a really great thing. Uh, but it's just like, they're not getting anywhere with it because it doesn't feel like a genuine and creative piece of content. Whereas it's like, you know, an absolutely remarkable thing. It's, it's like it, it sold because it was Hank Green, but it also sold because it was good and it sold because it was important. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's definitely not without its flaws. There are, there are huge problems with it. People have enormous problems with it and the way he wrote. And it's like, that's wild, uh, you know, it, cause he still, he still makes first author mistakes about the way people are characterized and, and the things they do that, that make them seem less than human and, and the way that some of those groups have been, um, you know, sort of represented in his book, but it's like, he's, it's his first book. <laughs> And that's the thing is like you don't, you know, you don't get a first book from somebody who's established like that. You know, even mm -hmm. even when somebody uh, ghostwrites, it's like it's definitely usually not the first thing they're ghostwriting. <laughs> like yeah. you don't just get you don't just get on the YouTube ghostwriter <laughs> money train by accident. If you could, where's my sign up sheet? I would love to do that. <laughs> you kidding me? Uh, it I'm still trying to convince Ben and Jonathan to let me ghostwrite a memoir about them. Oh yeah. SCP Man, the Super Carlin book, it's right there. It's just sitting there. Yeah, I could see that. I have because Ren linked it. Now, when it's when it's two people, when it's two people, I feel different about it because like mm -hmm. Ren Link did the thing where they wrote the the book of mythicality, and it's like a it's like a field guide for like existing in the weird world. Mm -hmm. But it's also like stories and stuff about their collective, and that just feels like a lot more genuine because it's more than one person. Sure. And they had they had a writer on it, but they also contributed a lot to it. It's like definitely part of their personal stories. And I mean, they don't get to be Rhett and Link without like you know putting genuine. You don't get to buy Smosh without doing something right. Oh, they were the ones who bought Smosh. They bought Smosh, dude. It was Rhett and Link. If you'd have told me, look, if you'd have told me back in 2008 that one day I would watch Rhett and Link, who had like 400,000 subscribers, buy Smosh. Watch That's these two wild. chuckle from from North Carolina. Buy Smosh. I'd have been like, what? I'm sorry, what? What do you mean they're going to move to California and start a YouTube empire? What do you mean daily <sighs> videos? What is that? Dude, da daily videos? You, LOL, you mean like five, six videos a day? Yeah, well, yeah, they have a team of 75 people. Yeah, it's it's insane. Just the, the fact that they even have time to put their faces on as many things as they do is insane to me. Uh, it's uh, See, I wonder, duos are such a powerful thing. I mean, how many, it's like, you can just like, Rhett and Link, Hank, you know, Green Brothers. Hank, yeah, Hank and John. Yeah, building their- Ben and Jonathan. Yeah, building their little empires. Freaking uh, Walt and Roy, man. Yeah. <laughs> dude, man, like... this is this is a Disney stands dream episode of Bacon and Eggs. Dude, yeah, I'm having a blast. <laughs> this is just like, I don't know what is going on with me today. I'm just in a really good mood, I guess. Yeah, no joke. But no, seriously, like that's that's the thing is like you have the and this is the way the duo is, man. You have the execution guy and you have the idea guy mm -hmm. always like they may not. They may not call it that. They may not even realize it or want to set that. But like I'm the execution guy for bacon and eggs. I make sure the show gets out. I do the show. Tyler's the one that is just throwing spaghetti at the wall all day. That's just like, what if we did this? What if we did this here? Hear me out on this. <laughs> and and he just comes up with so many great ideas all the time. It's like it's a, it's amazing to, to get to get to work with this guy mm -hmm. who is just a, a font of good ideas all the time but it's like you know i'm the guy that sort of pushes them into production <laughs> and it's like it's important to have that 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 you know piece the, those two pieces mm -hmm. that's what a duo is great like I, the fact that you do as much as you do by yourself is crazy to me yeah i i have to definitely switch between those two hats because yeah oftentimes or the times that get really difficult is when i have to i have to switch into a mode that i'm not currently in like if right. i have all of these ideas that i'm 
I want to like explore or think about more. I whether they be like different types of shows or like different types of video ideas, but I have to make a video that can be really hard. Or yeah. if like I'm just in the groove of making content, but I know I should be thinking about more ideas or like different things I should be exploring. That's also like very difficult to get out of. So do you have somebody that you can, I mean, I'm not trying to get too much into your like sausage making, but like, do you have somebody you can bounce ideas off of? Like, do you have somebody that you do that with? Or is it just like you just throw stuff at the wall by yourself? It's, it's pretty much just me doing it. Good Lord, man. Like I talk to my girlfriend. I talk to my friends. I sometimes talk to, you know, family about it, but I mean, there's no one that's like in the same world that I typically talk to about right. content. That's crazy that your content sticks at such a high level then. Because I, re- I truly, Isaac, I'm not trying to butter you up here or anything. I do think mm. you make exceptionally good and well thought out videos. Mm-hmm. And there's usually not one that comes out where I'm like, what was, what is he thinking? Because I see a lot of YouTubers in your position, even guys with and, and girls with huge amounts of subscribers that I'm just like, yeah, I wouldn't have made that video, y'all. <laughs> like... Like y'all, like I would not have made that video. <laughs> and I think if he would, if they had just run that by one more person, it would, they would have been like, what? No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I definitely understand what you mean. That's like, there should be more. Yeah. There's like no barriers for the stuff. Yeah. That's the thing is like, there's nobody telling Isaac he can't make a video. No. Other than my own restraints of what I want to create and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> Oh, anyway, let's let's drag it around back to Avatar. We had a nice, a nice, nice, nice detour to the Disney parks and then the creative process in general. Mm-hmm. Um, let's drag it back around to Avatar. Um, oh man, I had a point. Um, yeah, it, that was the thing that I I, I just kept getting because I, I do truthfully think that this isn't. It's not. It's definitely not the worst story I've ever read or experienced or anything. Definitely mm-hmm. not the worst, but it's definitely not the best either. Like it has its problems where it sort of falls off and it sort of loses you. And in that moment, in those moments, I definitely think that when I was originally watching it, I was able to fall so easily into the captivation of these graphics, these, these, you know, the way the movie looked. And some of that is, is taken away these days just because it, it isn't as great as it used to be. Like I, there were moments where I felt like, uh, like Colonel Korich just wasn't even there. It's like when at the end, when they're fighting him in the battle suit and it's mm-hmm. uh, Jake and Natiri, it's like, I, he, he, you know, he might as well have not even been there. Yeah. And I get that he probably was. I'm sure he was in a mocap suit, but it's just like something about that whole scene is it felt so removed. Like they were almost filming it separately. Yeah. I definitely understand what you mean. It's yeah. There was definitely things that felt like they could have blend together better, both story wise and visually effects wise. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting, especially after, projects like this now where it's our standards are so high for visual effects where like because i feel some of the dips in this movie are still the peaks in other movies oh definitely 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 true uh mm-hmm. I, and, and truthfully i don't know that this movie was properly unseated until until this year when I mean, obviously it was unseated in the box office, but I think it was also uh, probably unseated in terms of like a technological leap forward by The Lion King. Yeah. Because like whatever you want to say about that movie, people love it, people hate it, whatever. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just in, just an incredible feat of uh, of CGI engineering that has that didn't yeah, seem possible the, I mean, 10 years ago. Yeah, to the point where, you know, John Favreau sneaked in a real life scene and you could never have pointed it out. I, I could he? never. Yeah. The, Which one? The, the only moment that was recorded on a camera was when the sun was first coming up. That was real Africa. At the beginning? 
Yeah, that was real. The rest oh, was not. Oh, I just not. got chills. I just got yeah. chills. Oh, what a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never. You would have never told me if there was one scene I thought might have been real. It was the scene of that whatever that little mouse or hamster or whatever it was running around before Scar caught it. Oh, sure. Because that just reminded me so much of like you know those nature documentaries. Oh yeah. That specific scene where it's like I literally expected like a voice to come in and be like, "Here we come to." The African Savannah Mouse, right before its moment of death. Or like, I mean, even the moments where they're like shooting a camera through a tree and then you could see the stars move. Like, I can't believe that wasn't just recorded. Like if you're in Africa, but poof, I guess he didn't. <laughs> yeah, were, were they, so they went to Africa for one scene. It's like he and John Favreau and a camera was just like, yeah, I'm going to film the sun coming up. Cool. Well, I, I think they were there for like research purposes, but yeah, that was one of the things they captured. See, what I wanted is I wanted there to just, like, I wanted the backgrounds to be real, but not the animals. I think that would have been so great just to see the behind the scenes of, like, Jon Favreau and three other dudes with a drone just, like, (laughs) filming the movie. And then they cut in the animals later. (laughs) That would have been incredible. But, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's so wild. But, yeah, this movie... I mean, obviously has real people and real faces in it, so it's a little bit different, but it's like, this is a this is a heavily, heavily, heavily green-screened movie. Oh, yeah. Obviously. It's like, this mm-hmm. is, you know. And I get that, like, everything's like that. Like, all of Avengers Endgame was shot in a friggin' soundstage. We, we can't use sets anymore for big movies. I hate it, but... Yeah, to the scale that they're envisioning, it's becoming yeah, more I guess, difficult. I don't know. I just feel like adding, like, I feel like it would have grounded some of these movies so much better if they had just... It, put even any a few real places in it mm-hmm. um like that's what i think was so great about the lord of the rings movies you know whatever else aside the weird filmmaking they use like the landscape the establishing shots are still incredible because it is just shots of the real freaking world yeah middle earth like, feels real because it, it is real it's just like new zealand it's just a crazy <laughs> place out there it's like they just have it mm-hmm. you can still go visit the freaking hobbit holes yeah um and I, I think that's like, especially in like Black Panthers, like the fact that Wakanda isn't a real place even at all, just sort of like threw me a little bit. Sure, that makes sense. Um, but obviously, we're talking about talking about a, an alien planet here. Um, that's a, always a little bit trickier unless you're filming Mars, in which case you can just go to Utah or wherever they do it. <laughs> There's like a field that they use to film Mars. <laughs> I believe it. There's just pr- hit that just uh, hit desert. that red slider all the way up in Premiere and just call it good. <laughs> Yep, this looks like a hostile world. Yeah, it's like, but that's the thing is, Pandora doesn't look like a hostile world. This is beautiful. Now, I don't, I don't love the fact they called it Pandora, and and unobtainium might be the uh, like worst name for anything ever. Yeah, but that again, was... that's sort of just where you drop off on the pseudoscience here. It's like if you if you count all that out, all the the fake math and the fake science, it's like it, it holds together. Yeah, it's you know, it's very clear about what it's trying to say, but I don't think for that's sure. horrible. Oh no, it is, it is very, very, very clear, and I don't think I picked that up when I was a kid because um, I was no. 16 when this movie came out. Yeah, because I just got I'd have my license. Um, I was 16 and I like, you know, wasn't particularly like a giant racist when I was 16. So like I didn't really experience a lot of the problems that this movie is sort of pointing out and that all of these like these fish out of water in a different society movies are kind of pointing out. Yeah. But, like, they put a pretty fine point on it when, when Colonel Quaritch is like, how does it feel to betray your own race, son? <laughs> I was like, man, I've heard this line before. <laughs> Holy hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they put a pretty fine, pretty fine point on that one. They were, James Cameron was not afraid to say what he was trying to say here. No. Which... Um, and that's the thing is you can spin it however you want. There's so many different peoples that you could attribute this movie to. And that's what's even more sort of horrifying about it. 
Yeah. It's kind of disturbing. But well, yeah. And, and it also gets messy when they literally are a different species where it's, you know, it's not an exact one-to-one comparison, but, you know, it's still the, these are still individuals with humanity. Right, and that's, it's just so, they they see them as savages for, and that's sort of where the story starts to break down for me, is that I just refuse to believe that we would act like this as a people. Yeah, that you'd hope in 21st century hyper-connected world that, that would be difficult to do by, uh, like, the United States. Right, like, I, I just feel like by the point that we've re- developed the technology that allows us to fully explore and cryogenically bring people to the Alpha Centauri system, I feel like we we probably figured a few things out at that point, and maybe we stop being enormous racists and don't treat the aliens that are five feet taller than us like savages. Yeah, who are able to learn all of our languages. Yeah, pretty easily. Yeah. They're clearly an intelligent life form. They have a city, and they have an interconnected thing. Yeah, oh, they live in a tree. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so we probably live in trees too in that freaking America. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what they come up with for a story for the for the um the next ones. Because you got to think it's going to be like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, where you have one that is sort of like an establishing of the world, but doesn't really have anything to do with any of the rest of them. Yeah, it's just kind of showing off who the characters are and right what their adventures will be like. In the future. Right, like two and two and three are going to have a lot more to do with each other than one and two did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now that being said, I do hope that they're better than the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yes, because while I did like the trilogy of Pirates of the Caribbean movies, four and five definitely fell off quite a bit. I have literally not seen four or five. I wasn't crazy about two. I do think three is my favorite. Three is it, for me. It goes three one two. Yeah, three one two. And then I have not seen four or five. Yeah, I I think that's not the worst thing you could skip out on. I just every no, nobody has ever said anything good to me about any of them. Like even most people are like, yeah, you you should see it. It's worth it. These people are just like, mm, nah. And like I feel weird just not having finished the series, but like I just have no desire to. I don't want it to ruin it for me. I saw someone tweet today. I would really like to see a Pirates of the Caribbean movie without Jack Sparrow. I would too. I think he's a deeply uninteresting character at this point. Yeah, which, because he was explored, I mean, to some extent in the fir- the trilogy. Yeah. Of course, they left an, an enormous, enormous moment of, of growth and character development for Jack in a deleted scene, but whatever. Oh, really? What was the deleted scene? The deleted scene was the the the, the, the people ain't cargo mate scene. Oh, yeah. Or not, not whatever. No, because he said that at one point. I don't know if that line made it in there, but that the whole backstory on that mm. was the deleted scene. God, that's too bad about how he got his hundred souls. And that was such an incredible moment of this. And this is the other thing about pirates. I don't know where they get this lore uh, because everybody acts like there's some like, you know, encyclopedia of pirates of the Caribbean lore that I'm just missing out on. But this is mm-hmm. what I, because that's what I see on the, on the things that have gotten pushed to the normal media from Tumblr is that it's this, this crazy amount of like backstory that just doesn't exist in the movies. And I'm like, where are people getting this? There is not source material. There was a ride. There was, I mean, I remember there was a young Jack Sparrow, like young children's book series that was releasing when I was younger. Was there? I didn't even know that. Yeah. That chronicled like the rise of Jack Sparrow. There's some stuff in the fifth movie about Jack Sparrow, but not very much. There's stuff here and there. Right. There was a comic book uh, series based around Avatar that's recently come out. So they've continued the story. Yeah. It like just concluded or something. Well, that's cool. 
Yeah. So they're they're still expanding it. Their social medias are still going. Every once in a while, posting who should be wished a happy birthday. Jack Sully. Jack Sully. They are. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see these. And, and truthfully, when I asked you to like do this movie, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be really weird because Isaac and I are just gonna come to a head about why I don't like Avatar that much. And I watched it today, and I was like, ah, this movie really isn't that bad. No, I think this is. It's hard to like hate on it that much. Yeah, I think it's you just have to accept it for the the story it's trying to tell and the adventure that they're trying to show off. I think now hmm. I'm almost certain I will have to watch it again before I watch the sequel because I will have forgotten everything about it again. Yeah, I mean I can I can just already feel it evaporating from my brain like you know like the silence in Doctor Who like I can't it's just it's just leaving as we speak. Well, yeah, I mean like Jake Sully's friend who was hoping that he would get accepted into the the clan instead of Jake. Like that character like completely fled my mind. Oh, Norm? Yeah. Yeah, when the dude from Dodgeball showed up, I was like, "Who are you?" <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely, there, there's beats that definitely are iconic that you can like totally think of. Yeah, there's definitely things that get lost in the way. I think yeah, it's you just know, really, it's really sad. The main things that stick with me are the horrible, horrible character play of Miles Quaritch. <laughs> and those are the only lines I can ever freaking remember from this movie is him just going, Pandora will eat you and you out dead. I always remember, man, I, I just love going to these seminars or these like, Nothing like a man. Good. Nothing like a good old fashioned safety brief to make you feel at home. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's such bad scripting where you're like, oh, this guy's a marine. <laughs> He's tough. All right, so Isaac, if if Avatar was a breakfast food, mm. what would it be? Mm. Okay, okay. I'm picturing, um, I'm picturing like a really exotic drink of some kind, like some really exotic smoothie. They put in like way too many fruits. There's oh, like, definitely. there's so many this huge is a freaking slices. fruit-based economy. Yeah, that there's like it's just super lavish. But like you drink it all, you eat it all, and you're left excited to see what the next smoothie they'll make is. That'll hopefully be larger and bigger, but you know, still not fully satisfied. You're ready. You're ready for more. I could definitely see that. I'm, I'm game for that. Yeah, I'm definitely ready for more i did not think i would be saying that mm -hmm. i think it's now i'm just sad that i have to wait two and a half years for it to come out yeah i know every single year i think maybe maybe it's this year no nope. it's not it's not next year it's the year after that yeah that's just crazy it's like you could have a baby right now and that baby will be like a toddler by the time the first movie comes out yeah like luke carlin would be able to see it in theaters Oof. he might not get it but he'll be old enough yeah avatar will be a franchise that he'll literally grow up with. Did that's what's so wild that like these kids will grow up with these movies. It's like the first one came out a long time ago, and then like the the, the first sequel might have come out when they were like a little too young to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. But it's the same with like the kids growing up with Toy Story right now. It's like you know the kids that saw Toy Story three when they were like three or four years old. It's like they're like in high school and stuff now. Yeah, I mean that's that's like me with the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. Is that I was only able to see the third one in theaters, but I still remember Star Wars hype being a young kid. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I am so jazzed for the new Star Wars. That's not even a diff. I like I'm not even on the same level. They, granted, I have not seen the trailer yet, so don't tell me anything. That's fair. But I'm very excited, very excited for the Rise of Skywalker. Um, I think it's gonna be great. Man, Maybe. I hope so. I, I hope so too. <laughs> but I really liked the Last Jedi as well. So whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great movie. Very well shot. There's a lot of pressure on that one. It, they have to wrap up a nine movie saga, right? In some way that feels satisfying for the giant cinematic stories that have been told already, right? And then we get two more trilogies that nobody's excited for. Yeah, I mean, because we have no clue what they're about. Honestly, I would be excited if they were set way, way, way before Skywalker.
Skywalkers. Give us, some, give me some prequel, old Same. Republic stuff. Yeah, some old Republic stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like nobody is particularly trusting of D.B. Weiss, David Benioff right now from Game of Thrones, mm. who are writing one, and everybody hated Ryan Johnson's movie. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. If and when those ever come out, we're getting The Mandalorian soon, right? Yep. November twelfth, we'll get the first episode. Oh, I need to sign up. Heck. Yeah. Forgot about that. Try to get the deal. That's what I'm. I, yeah, I'm gonna do that as soon as we're done here. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I need, think I got my code. I don't know. Maybe. I hope I got my code. I was not yeah. a D23 member ahead of time. So no, uh, I, I was able to do it at D23. So that's, that's what yeah, I was, how was that D23 was, uh, it was a crazy event filled with lots of people that were so excited and passionate about Disney. So being able to see all of these super passionate people own place one in one place was super cool. It was something that also was super chaotic in a way that I wasn't expecting since I'd never been to like a convention before. And right. I think through the experience I've learned, I'm not a huge convention guy. I've got all of the patience in the world for theme parks, but I'm not a super big convention guy. Oh, yo, that's how I felt about PodCon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is great. I should be enjoying this a lot more than I am, but I'm not sure that I'm that stoked on conventions. Yeah. Well, and I know it's supposed like for some people, it's like a networking thing. Some people are going for the exclusive merch. I was mainly there. I wanted to experience the news, but I didn't really, I wasn't too keen on waiting and maybe getting it. So right. I mainly focused my time on exploring Disneyland. For which sure. I knew I was never going to regret going to Disneyland. Yeah, I do. I do want to go to there. Mm -hmm. I do want to go to Disneyland. I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'll get there at mm -hmm. some point. Yep. Sometime you'll be able to go. Yeah, hopefully. That's how I feel about Universal is that they'll eventually be someday where I'll just end up going or there'll be a how to train your dragon drum a how to train your dragon ride there eventually and then I'll have to go some Disney World trip fair fair we'll mm -hmm. see um, we gotta put this on the big board of okay. all the movies we've ever reviewed. Also, I don't think that when I signed up for D23 the other day, I don't think it took, so I don't know that I can get the deal, which is kind of a bummer. Oh, no. Yeah, I thought it, because I never got the code, uh, and it doesn't look like I, it's telling me to join D23, so I don't, don't know that I got that. Oh, jeez. Um, which sucks, because I wanted <laughs> to just pay for Disney Plus for three years. I swear, because I filled this freaking form out. That's wonky. Yeah, member since 902-2019, that sucks. Unless it hasn't sent yet, but I don't know how that works no because it's now it's just telling because i hit join i don't know whatever i don't care let's pay for it like a plebeian <laughs> i don't know whatever screw you disney i take back everything i said <laughs> yeah i don't know whatever um 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 okay so we gotta put it on the big board all right uh let's see do 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 let's go let's go from the bottom to see where we see where it gets us is this better than venom yeah is it better than pokemon the first movie yeah is it better than transformers yep is it better than fantastic beast the crowns of grindelwald oh yeah the lego movie 2 mm, i don't know what do you think about that I definitely think it's better than the Lego Movie too. I think I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Uh, how about Pokemon Detective Pikachu? I mean, I'll be. I haven't seen that movie, so the, it gets pushed. Okay. You. Okay. 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 Uh, we'll, we'll, let's let's go up the list. How about National Treasure? I think it's it's much better than the National Treasure. Okay. What about Ralph Breaks the Internet? Mm, I like it more than Ralph Breaks the Internet. Okay. How about The Hunger Games? It's better than The Hunger Games. How about The New Lion King? It's better than The New Lion King. Okay. How about uh, Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> hmm. I, I'm getting more restraint now. 
I think I think that's more of a toss-up for me. Okay, well, what about Aladdin, the new one? Um, I think it's because that's above Emperor's New Groove, directly uh, above Emperor's New Groove. Oh, man, I really like the new. Aladdin where the chips movie. fell. I I also really like the new Aladdin movie. I think it's it's such a fun time. What would I rather pop into my Blu-ray player? Okay, let me let me tease you with this one. Is it better right. than Spider-Man: Far From Home? Uh, no. Okay, so do you want to put it below Emperor's New Groove or below Aladdin or below Spider-Man? I think below Emperor's New Groove. Okay, I can live with that. All right, so better than the Lion King, not better than Emperor's New. Group. 2019 Lion King. 2019 Lion King, yeah. <gasps> yeah. It'd be a different conversation. 2019 Lion King. I, yeah. 2019 Lion King. Also 2019 Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I don't remember how to add a row. Insert row below. There we go. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I know how to use a spreadsheet, I promise. <laughs> Avatar. Well, all of these are listed as number three uh, because of an episode that we had a while back. So I don't know where it falls because I don't want to count that many threes. <laughs> but just know they're all listed as number three, except mm -hmm. Venom, which is number 52. Oof. <laughs> the, granted, we haven't done 52 movies yet. We just decided that there's no movie that's going to go below Venom this year. I think I can't imagine you guys reviewing one that would go below it. Uh, yeah, I can't either. We generally do like uh, good movies. Yeah, at least popular by viewers for sure mm -hmm. all right well isaac what's what's next for watso Oof. well coming soon there's gonna be hmm. there's gonna be a lot more lion guard content we're in the final season if you guys are interested in to <laughs> deep what disney is god's Junior name lore. is lion guard <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's going deep i've seen a lot of that is very excited uh pretty soon i'm gonna be creating a podcast where i'll be interviewing people that are uh pursuing their dreams by following their passions i'm very excited to do that at some point and but you know the main place to find me right now is watso videos on youtube and instagram those are the two places that i'll be at all right i see mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. i see you okay okay well isaac it has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for <laughs> podcasting with me today i really appreciate you stepping in while my compatriot tyler is uh being a dad <laughs> Dude, absolutely. Not that he will suddenly stop being a dad by the time he comes back on the show, but he is being a new dad right now and taking care of his lovely wife and his beautiful baby girl. Mm -hmm, dude. So I appreciate you coming in. This was an absolute pleasure. I think that this episode is going to rapidly become a fan favorite. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we, we went far off the rail. Talked about a lot of different topics. I mean, we stayed more on the rail than like... Because like getting to the Disney parks from Avatar is not that much of a tangent. I mean, we spent a long time there, but yeah. like, it's not, it's, we could have been talking about shower caps, man. Like we, there, <laughs> there's a lot of places this could have gone. Mm -hmm. Not that I think I have particularly anything interesting to say about shower caps as related to Avatar, but <laughs> Isaac, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, well, I, I'm Ethan and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at wow now, but the O's are zeros and at Ed Show photos on Instagram in that order. Uh, you can find the show, Big Man X pod, Wherever podcasts are sold, um, well, it's Bacon and Eggs Movie Lovers Podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Bacon and Eggs Pod, or you can go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and join the Discord server, and you can bother me about all the great things I said about Walt Disney World <laughs> on this episode. And I think that's all I got. Isaac, you got any final thoughts, bud? Man, I'm excited to go mine some unobtainium and two years <laughs> there you go we'll, we'll have you back on to talk about avatar 2 the second part all right uh, here whenever avatar 2 comes out if we all mm -hmm. still exist and are doing content <laughs> true that oh man all right isaac it's been an absolute pleasure uh thank you for listening to another episode of bacon and eggs i've been ethan edgehill he's been isaac carlson until next week or even dirty <laughs>